I can't think of a better place to be than the house of the Lord. Praise God. So I'm going to plunge right into our Bible study this evening. I, I know that you know that we have been studying last, last Wednesday night. If you did not get a handout or were not here, I'm sure we could get you one. There may be some left over. I don't know what they did with the leftovers, but uh, there are some probably left over that you could get your hands on. <coughs> we, we began two Wednesday nights ago talking about nine secrets of healthy relationships. And we understand that our world is built out of relationships. We know that. Everybody in this room has relationships. And uh, this is what, what we are all about. And this is what we do. As a matter of fact, I preached a message here several years ago about religion or relationship. We don't want religion. We want relationship with the Lord. Amen? It's got to be more than just religion. But I'm going every night that we study these things, I'm going back to the same scripture, which is found in Galatians chapter 5, and begin at verse 22, and read two verses there, and it's a very familiar passage, but I hope before this is over, every one of us can quote these two verses. But here's what Paul said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. So last week we talked about love, and love is the foundation. We understand that. None of the other fruit of the Spirit can exist without the love of God in our heart. Can you say amen? Love is the basis of everything. You can line up what we, we talk about here in Galatians chapter 5 with 1 Corinthians 13. I'm just doing a little review right quick. And you can line those up. And the first seven verses of 1 Corinthians 13 do nothing more, nothing less than spell out what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5 and tell us what love actually will do. So love is the foundation. Love is the basis of all things. Tonight, we're going into the second fruit of the Spirit, which if you notice, and I think we, we, we better talk about it often, it's not fruits. You will see no S on fruits. It is fruit. There's only one, and it consists of all these things that we're talking about. You know, some people get uncomfortable when you start talking about relationships, but that's where Christianity is really lived out. Are you aware of that? Christianity is lived out in relationship. This way with God this way with man. And so in our relationships with God and with our family and with our friends and with people that we associate with and run into on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm not, I'm not known to them as a Christian. Watch me here. I'm not known by what I believe. I am known by the fruit that they see in my life. Maybe I better say that again. They don't really care what you believe. They want to see what you are. Because you can tell people what you believe, but you have to show people who you are. Amen? So the fruit of the Spirit is important in our lives because our relationship uh, with others, we must bear that fruit for them to, you know, Jesus was talking one time, and he said, you shall know them by their 
fruit. That was before Paul even penned this. You shall know them by their fruit. So what, what is being said here in this, in this study is that it doesn't matter what you believe. You can say one thing but be another. You can profess but not possess. You can tell people what you are, but you need to show people what you are. As a matter of fact, God was upset with mankind one time, and he said, they, they are near me with their lips. You remember this? He said, they are near me with their lips, but they are far from me with their heart. So it's not what you say. It's what you are and what you do. You know, for 50 years, Hollywood's been teaching us the myth, if I can just find the right person, I'll live happily ever after. And you may have walked down the aisle in your wedding thinking, I'm about to live happily ever after. Boy, were we all surprised because that's not real life. Amen? The fact is the best of relationships, the best of relationships have ups and downs. Could I get a witness? You're not happy all the time. It's probably going to get quiet. You are married to a human being. Amen? We all are. And, and if you, if you want to talk about human beings, guess what? People get sick. People argue. People have misunderstandings. Sometimes we're all inconsiderate. Sometimes things just don't go right in life. If you think life is a constant honeymoon, and if that was your belief when you got married, you, it didn't take long for you to awake to the real world, I can tell you that, because that's not true relationships. There's not happiness every day. There's not, we don't live on the top of a mountain. Some days, to be honest, are just a complete disaster in our lives and in our relationships. Come on, you might as well admit that. If you don't say amen, you're not living in the real world. That's good. Thank you, Dennis. You always bail me out. Whenever we look for relationships, whether it's in marriage or friendships, people say, you ever heard anybody say this? I just want to be happy. You, you know, I've seen people in bad marriages that said, well, I just want to be happy. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But today we're going to talk about something far better than happiness. When you, when you need what you need, excuse me, in your relationship is not happiness. What you need is called joy. And there is a great difference between happiness and joy. It's very different. Most people think if I could only or if somebody else would just do this or if I could attain this goal or if I could have this job or if I had this much money, I would be happy. Well, it's not true because that's the destination disease that the world is on. If I could just get to this level, if I could just do this, if I could just do that. But the facts are life is not a destination. It's a journey. And you will never arrive at happiness 24-7. I don't care if you got $10 million in the bank, if you marry the prettiest gal in Monroe, Louisiana, if you have 10 cars and you live in a mansion, that is not 
what I want to talk about tonight. You will have happiness, but it will not keep being happiness. I can tell you, if you don't believe that, go look at the millionaires and go look at the doctors and the lawyers and the people that have money, and I'll tell you there's some miserable people in this world because they've got happiness for a moment, but happiness don't last. But what I'm talking about tonight will last. After people make drastic changes and walk away from marriages and quit decent jobs and sometimes switch careers and move across the country. I've heard people say, we're going to move. We just want to go be where we can be happy. Let me tell you what you're going to find when you move, okay? You know what my daddy used to say? My daddy used to say, the grass is always greener on the other side, but it's probably growing over a septic tank. One fellow said the grass is greener on the other side, but the water bill's much higher too. Anybody got a water bill here beside me? Don't you love them? Especially in the summertime? Nowhere, and this is the first blank in your, on your study sheet, nowhere in the Bible does God give us or advise us to pursue happiness. Nowhere in the Bible does God tell us to pursue happiness because happiness is not a biblical concept. Amen. The word happiness only appears 22 times in the Bible and it never means what we have conditioned to think of today. In the Bible, I was fixing to send somebody to see where you was at. It, I'm having to get on to her. Now, she probably forgot it was church. She's done that a time or two. Would you tell them to quit running that train at church time? Bless her heart. I pick on her bad. But, but in the Bible, happiness doesn't mean having everything go my way. It means blessed or favored by God. And it's used 22 times in the Scripture in that manner. Blessed are favored by God. So happiness is extremely vulnerable. Happiness is wrapped up in people, uh, wrapped up in people is insecure because people will let us down. Happiness centered in possessions is unsure because material goods won't last. They deteriorate. They depreciate. Happiness based on health is unreliable because I got news for you. It, it don't matter who you are. Your body's going to wear out. Could I get a witness? You won't always feel like you did when you was 30. I'm learning more about that all the time. I'm becoming a very wise man in that category. But happiness, you can't base it on, well, if my health was reliable, if I could just, happiness grounded in social achievement is unpredictable because a new star eventually eclipses you. You, you can climb the ladder of success. It's not in political uh, grandizement where you, you can reach a certain goal. That, that's only for a moment. you got to understand, 
Everything you build happiness on will eventually double-cross you if you're not careful. That's why the world is full, listen to me, of cynical and discouraged people because they strive for happiness and they wind up in despair and people have tried everything to attain it and it never lasts because sinners are basically bored. What can we do next? How can we make life more happy? Well, in contrast to happiness, the Bible uses a word that we're going to talk about tonight, and it's called joy. It uses joyful. It talks about rejoice over 160 times in the Scripture. It teaches us that joy only comes from the Spirit of God living down inside of us. Amen. True joy. I want to tell you, I'll take it a million times over a moment of happiness because joy is this, and I'm going to talk about it at length tonight. Joy is, you, you still have joy when your loved one dies. You still have joy when you're broke. You still have joy when everything is going wrong in life. You, the, the world didn't give it. And the world can't take it away. Have you ever heard that? The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. Joy, there's a song that said, I've got joy like a river. I've got joy like a river. I've got joy like a river in my soul. You know why I've got joy? Not because I got a few dollars in my pocket, not because I live in a good house, not because my family's healthy tonight. I got joy because it is given to me by the Holy Ghost that lives within me. It is a fruit of the Spirit. And you can't have true joy until you get the Spirit. Amen. So this is how it works. There's, there, we're, we're taught that joy comes from the Spirit. This is how it works. This is, I think, on your sheet of paper. Happiness is external. See that little chart there? Happiness is external, but joy is internal. Got me? Happiness is temporary, but joy is permanent. Amen? Happiness is based on chance. But joy is based on choice. Think about it. Happiness is based on circumstance. But joy is based on Jesus Christ. So, so we, we're not today saying that happiness is a fruit of the Spirit. But joy is because it's internal. It's here to stay. It's based on our choices for God. And it's based on the, the indwelling Christ living with inside of every one of us. You, you can't stop me from having joy. Paul wrote what he wrote. And, and he wrote his epistles, in many of them in prison. Do you think he had happiness? No. But did he have joy? Yes. Because happiness is the external, but joy is inside of you. You could be going through the worst crisis of your life and still have the joy of the Lord inside of you because the Holy Spirit of God 
produces joy. That's why some folks, you can't ever get them down. You can do whatever you got to do. You will never get them down because they have joy and not just happiness. Almost any time you have problems in a relationship, listen to me here, it will be one or more of these three, three, three things that I'm about to name. They always kill the joy in relationships, okay? They kill your joy. And the first one, it's a blank on your sheet of paper. The first one there is selfishness. You know what selfishness says? This is the next blank. I want what I want. That's what selfishness says. James said this in James 4, chapter 4 and verse 1. He said, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust, and ye have not. Ye kill, and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. It's the selfish spirit says, it's all about me. I want what I want. That's what I want. That will kill your joy. The root problem, the root problem of relational difficulties is a power struggle between two Selfish, insecure people. That kills relationships. You, you get two people married and they're selfish and they're insecure, they're about to kill the joy in that marriage. I'm going to tell you that right now. For a lot of us to solve the relational problems that we're in, and maybe even right now, there's a simple solution. It's to grow up. And stop being so self-centered. It ain't all about you. I know that's not good English, but I said it, and I'm going to say it again. It ain't all about you. Amen? James said this in chapter 3, verse 16. He said, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. In other words, you can't be joyful and jealous at the same time. Selfishness undermines relationships. Selfishness is saying it, it, you got to get the focus off of yourself if you're going to have a good relationship. Have you not read where the Bible said it is more blessed to do what? To give than it is to do what? Receive. So that's selfishness is I want what I want. Here's, here's the second thing that will, it's, it's a kill joy. Of, of relationships, any relationship. That goes for you and your, your spouse, you and your friend, you and your family, you and your God. Here's the second thing, and this is a, a blank on your sheet of paper. Resentment. Somebody say resentment. Resentment will kill your joy. Resentment says this. Here's the next blank. I won't forgive you. Resentment. Anybody ever dealt with resentment? Besides me, I'm going to be honest tonight. I've, I've had a little resentment here and there that you got to pray over it because it says, I'm not forgiving you. We hurt each other in our relationships, and, and sometimes we do it intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, and sometimes it's just a fact of life. Sometimes we hurt people that don't mean to hurt them. Do you, do you understand that? 
We didn't mean to hurt anybody. But what you do with that hurt makes a difference in your whether you're joyful or you're miserable. What you do with that. You see, a lot of times our problem is not our actions, but it's our reactions. It's how we react to what people say or people do. Nothing destroys a relationship quicker than resentment. Resentment says, I'm not forgiving you. I'm mad about what you said. I'm mad about what you've done. You can't have joy when you've got resentment. Hebrews 12, 15 said, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Let me, let me confess to you today. Resentment will eat up your energy. It's, it, you'll spend all your time if you get resentful and you resent the facts that somebody done you wrong or somebody hurt you. I, I've had to do a lot of praying in my time, and I, I'm still doing it. I'm still, uh, come on now, because there are times that I get to resenting what somebody does or what they say. And the Bible said, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Let me tell you what a root of bitterness will do. Everybody still with me? I'm going to leave the notes here for just a minute because I've seen a lot of people get bitter in my time. And if you get bitter and have a root of bitterness in you, it's like, it's like a cancer that, that starts in a little small place in your body. And the first thing you know, if you don't get that out of there, it's got roots and it starts growing. And when it starts growing, it starts spreading. And when it starts spreading, it affects every faculty of your mind and your spirit and your body. And the first thing you know, you are a, a man of, of resentment and hate walking around in a body that nobody wants to be around because you've lost all your joy thinking about what somebody else did. So don't react the way the devil wants you to react. Anybody here ever been angry? You know what the Bible said? That's exactly what it said. Be angry and sin. It's okay to be angry. That's a human, that's a human trait. We all, we all get angry sometimes. Boy, y'all know how quiet it is in here. Now, you can't get angry because you neighbor out. You can't get angry. And, well, I better stop right there. <clears throat> Amen. Proverbs eleven twenty nine 29 said, he that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind and the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. In other words, if you refuse to forgive, you're only hurting yourself and resentment steals your joy. Amen. So what we have to do is we all have to forgive. Oh, help us, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I can't answer for you, but help me, Jesus. I need. I, I got to learn to forgive. Bottom line. Amen? Somebody said, well, I, I'll forgive them, but, you know, let me tell you what. Let me tell you what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is wiping the slate clean. 
And that's, that's tough to do. Amen? The third thing that kills joy in relationships is this. We're talking about nine secrets to healthy relationships, okay? Here's this. It's called fear. Write it down. It's, it's a blank on your study sheet there. And fear says, I don't trust you anymore. So when fear builds up in your life, the joy goes out of your relationship when fear builds up. Proverbs 12, 25 said, Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. You see, fear causes us to build walls up instead of bridges. It causes, When you're full of fear, there's no, no way you can have any emotional intimacy with your relationship with anybody. And when there's no emotional intimacy, there is no joy because you're afraid to let your guard down. I don't trust you anymore. I don't get near you anymore. Well, you know, and, and, and I, look, I got I to gotta be honest with you. My dad always had this saying. He said, if a dog bites me once, he's a bad dog. If he bites me twice, I'm a fool. Amen? Are you all at church? You say, well, pastor, I just, I just, I just don't want to be around them because I don't trust them anymore. You have fear that you don't, you don't trust them anymore. And, and look, I understand, I understand we're human. It's hard to take somebody and let them be your best buddy when they have betrayed you. I understand that. As a matter of fact, last time I checked, Jesus had three that he hung out with more than he did the others. He had a little inner circle. Whether you like that or not, he did. He had friends, but then he had best friends. Am I right? Could y'all say amen? amen? Thank you. I just want to be sure you're still alive. Amen. So, here's what John said in his writing in 1 John 4, verse 18. He said, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. If we're going to love the way we ought to love that we studied last week, we got to get the fear out, and we got to remove the fear because perfect love casts that fear away. And when you do that, fear people cannot give love and cannot receive love because they're always afraid of being hurt again. Boy, I'm doing good. I'm doing good up here tonight. You don't even know it. Let me say that again. Fearful people cannot give love and they can't receive love because they're always afraid of being hurt again. You ever seen somebody go through a divorce? And then they say, Oh no, I don't want a man. Lord, no, don't give me another man. I'm, you know. My wife's not divorced. I hope she's watching tonight. My wife's not divorced, but she says, when you die, I do not want another man. 
Well, that makes me feel like I've done real well in life. <laughs> and if y'all are saying that, ladies, you need to repent over that. Y'all know you're lying. Amen. I'm just playing with you. Here's what fear does. It does three things to relationships. These are blanks on your sheet of paper. Fear makes me defensive. In other words, I won't admit it when I'm wrong. It makes me defensive. I throw my defense up. Fear makes me distant. I won't share my real feelings with you because I don't, I don't trust you anymore. And so I become distant. And then fear makes me demanding. Those are, those are three blanks on your, on your sheet of paper. I must always be in control. We call it in our little language control freaks. But you know what? The reason people want to be in control is because they don't trust you anymore. And the reason they want to be distant or they become distant is they don't trust you anymore. Because fear says, I don't trust you anymore. By the way, those three basic things that I just named, those three basic feelings that come and interfere with our relationship with each other, also interfere with our relationship with God. Selfishness, resentment, fear will all drive you away from God. Most people try to do things, something to bring happiness into a trouble relationship, but there's only one. That's, that's just temporary. Whatever, you know, you can go out and buy your wife a new car. You can go buy yourself a, a new motorcycle. You, you, you can go do something that well, I'm going to make myself happy. I'm going to go hunting. I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to let her do this and all that. But guess what? It's temporary. It's gone. It's over with. What you need is real joy, and joy comes in the Holy Ghost. And when you get joy, joy, joy like a river, and the fruit of God, the fruit of the Spirit start emanating out of your life, and the joy is there. You wake up in the morning. You may have a headache, but you got joy. You may have COVID, but you got joy. Because joy don't come and go. It stays where the Holy Ghost stays. Is anybody with me on this Wednesday night? Praise God. The first key to joy in a relationship is you've got to focus, listen to this, on somebody else rather than yourself. I, I quoted you the scripture. It's better, it's more blessed. That's found in Acts chapter 20, and verse 35. The end of that verse said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And that goes with anything. Don't you feel good? I and I don't know if this is true or not. You see anything, but I I watch social media from time to time and little things that click up on my phone. Well, I saw a guy going through the the grocery store and uh uh, well, matter of fact, the last one I saw was a guy that stopped by, a man, an older guy was working in his yard and beautiful flowers all around him. And he said, hey, sir, he said, uh, it's my mother's birthday. Would you, would you give me uh, just, would you let me have one of these flowers for my mother? And the guy stood there and looked at him and he said, you serious? He said, yeah, I'm serious. And so he said, yeah, come right down here. I want you to pick one off this end. And, and he said, how do I? pick it. He said, well, you just pull it up out of the ground. And so the old man walked down and he took his little shovel that he had in his hand and he scooped up, I mean, a, a big clump of flowers. And the guy said, oh, you're going to give me all of them? He said, sure. You love your mother, don't you? Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you these. 
And so the guy pulled out something out of his pocket. He said, here. The man said, oh, no, you don't have to pay me. He said, I'm not paying you. He said, I want to give $1,000 today to somebody that would just say yes and treat me right. Whether it's a true story, I don't know. But here's what the moral is. It's more blessed to give. You'll be blessed when you give. When you start giving, you, you know what? People have, have not got the concept of giving. I, could I pause for a commercial here? The reason you stay broke is you, don't, you, you, you think it's more blessed to receive than it is to give. The reason you don't get the blessings of God because you hadn't found the principle of God. And the principle of God is that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But when that word blessed means that he's going to bless you. That when you give into God and his kingdom, he's going to bless you. I'm not teaching you something that's not in the Bible. I'm just telling you, and that didn't cost you anything. But I want to tell you right now, if, if somebody if somebody comes to see me and says, well, I'm struggling, I'm, I'm you, you know, I know this is crazy. I know you don't believe this. I know some of you think that preacher's lost his marbles. But let me tell you, when people start struggling and they're going through things and they can't get up and it seems like they just stay down. Y'all ready for this? The very first thing I do, before somebody comes to me counseling, the very first thing I do is I pull up their record and see what they're giving to the church. Because I can pray for you all day long. But if you're not following the scripture, my prayers are hitting the ceiling. God ain't going to bless you. I think I just hit a stump and shared a piece. <laughs> you believe it that strong? You better believe I do. Years ago, years ago, <laughs> years ago. I got to tell you all this story. You won't know who it is, and you won't ever guess. We, we, we were having community day. You remember that those times, years ago. And, uh, and we, were bringing, we were bringing some folks to church that, you know, I mean, they were just sinners. And, and so this guy texts me on a Saturday night, and he said, Pastor, I'm requesting that those people that you're bringing to church, tomorrow we don't need them smoking cigarettes around our church. And I'm requesting that you send them back behind the family center. In this church that happened. And I said, sir, would you be in my office early in the morning? I'd like to talk to you. And he came. When he got there, I had five little stacks of paper like this. I said, here's your so-and-so. Here's your so-and-so. Here's your so-and-so. And here's your so-and-so. And I don't see where you give anything to this church. And when you start paying, you can start telling me how to run this church. He don't go here anymore. Of all, of all the audacity, you don't give anything, but you want to receive everything? 
I didn't. I, I, this ain't nowhere in my nose. Help me, Jesus. I don't know where I'm, I'm. I'm chasing a rabbit right now, but it's a good rabbit. Got a lot of meat on him. Amen. So just learn to give. Because you'll be happy and you'll have joy and you'll have power in your life and you'll be blessed because the relationship you got with God is contingent upon what you give back to him because he said it, I didn't. He said it's more blessed to give. I'll bless you if you give. I'll, he said, you know what I'll do? I'll open up the heavens and I'll rain down a blessing upon you. You can't even contain. That's what the Bible said. He said, I'll, I'll shower it on you. I'll bless your business. I'll bless your home. I'll bless your kids. I'll give you help. I'll tell It's all the promises of God. I read it in Matthew chapter 6. Seek ye first, Jesus said, the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. You start giving, he said, I'll start giving. And let me tell you, you can't outgive God. He's got way more than you've got. You can't outgive God. Wow, you know, the, the problem is as relationships grow, after we've got them established, then we don't put as much emphasis into them to maintain them as we did when we started. I read something that I thought comical, and this I'll just read it to you so you, you can take it for what it is. Five stages of a marriage cold, C-O-L-D. Five stages of a marriage cold. You ready? First year, baby, darling, I'm worried about that sniffle you have. I've called the paramedics to take you to the hospital for a checkup and some rest. I know you don't like hospital food, so I'll bring you home. I'll bring you some home-cooked meals while you're there. Second year, sweetheart, I don't like the sound of that cough. I've arranged for Dr. Johnson to make a house call. Let me tuck you in bed. Third year. You look like you've got fever. Why don't you drive yourself over to the clinic and get some medicine and I'll watch the kids. Fourth year. Look, be sensible. After you fed and bathed the kids and washed the dishes, go on in there and go to bed. Fifth year. For Pete's sakes, would you stop complaining? That's when a relationship goes downhill. Hello now. That's real life though, isn't it? One man said, I used to come home, my wife brought my slippers and my dog came barking. He said, suddenly it's reversed. Now we might as well laugh a little bit, but see we don't put as much effort into keeping relationships as we did to attain them. But joy comes with keeping them. Joy doesn't come from making me happy. Joy comes from making other people happy. And God designed it that way. One popular myth goes like this. When you get all your problems solved in a relationship, you'll be happy. That's never going to happen, number one. Life is a series of problems. Life is a series of solving problems. And if the only time you learn to have joy in your relationships when all your problems are solved, guess what? You won't ever have joy and you won't ever have happiness for the rest of your life. you got to learn to have joy in the middle of your problems. Honey, the kids got 104 fever. Let's pray. Joy is in the Holy Ghost. 
My grandpa died. I love my grandpa, but it doesn't take my joy away. My father passed away 2015. We put him right here. We buried him. He's buried not far from here. Broke my heart. Loved my dad. Still love my dad. Want to see him again someday, but he didn't take my joy. I still walked out of here with the joy of the Holy Are you getting what I'm saying tonight? Did it make me happy? No, I was unhappy. I stood in the hospital room, watched him go through sickness and death, and, and, and that was a painful thing. I never knew that pain until just a few years ago. But let me tell you, my happiness was not there, but the joy of the Lord was there, and the joy of the Lord remains. That's why Paul said in Philippians 4 and 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Somebody say always. Not just on Sunday. Rejoice. Get up every day and rejoice that God is on your side. Rejoice that you've got the Holy Ghost. Rejoice that he healed you. Rejoice that he saved you. How is it possible to always be full of joy? No other way. No other way. When Paul wrote the book of Philippians, he was in jail. He was in prison. He was writing to the Philippian church, which is the book of joy, if you want to get right down to it. Nineteen times, nineteen times in the short book of Philippians, he used the word joy or rejoice. And if you're depressed, you go home today, read the book of Philippians, and note the words joy or rejoice. But what Paul was saying is, I'm in prison but you can still have joy. Rejoice in the Lord every day. Rejoice in the Lord every moment. Rejoice in the Lord when you get up and rejoice in the Lord when you go to bed. When you're sick, rejoice in the Lord. When you're broke, rejoice in the Lord because that is the joy that I'm talking about on this Wednesday night and it comes with an experience called the Holy Ghost and it becomes the fruit of your life. Hmm. So Paul certainly wasn't counting on his circumstances to bring him happiness. He was just counting on the Holy Ghost to bring him joy. Amen. There, there are several Old Testament different words that were used to express joy and rejoicing that is an aspect or in an aspect is the fruit of the Spirit. They were used in the Old Testament. One of them is simsha, meaning bright and shining, or like the eyes of a child. One of them is mazos, leaping for joy, like the lame man at the temple. One of them is rina, shouting for joy, worshiping. All of these, they, they, they mean joy. They, they were written in the Old Testament. One of them is giel, spinning for joy. God himself in, in Zephaniah chapter 3, use that word, spinning for joy. So what, what I'm here to tell you is joy is all through the Bible. But when we got the Holy Ghost, we got real joy. I mean, look, to a drug addict, happiness is another fix, but not joy. To an alcoholic, happiness is another drink. But it's not joy. Am I making my point tonight? There are so many things that we can do that bring just a little bit of happiness. But brothers and sisters, when you get full of the Holy Ghost in your life, 
There is nothing like waking up in the morning and knowing you are a child of God. Going to bed at night knowing that you are a child of God. That can only be attained when you go to God in prayer and you get all the old stuff out and you form relationship with him. That's why in this church we don't we have to have relationship. we got to have a relationship with God because that's where our joy comes from. And then our relationship with our brother will be right because that's where our joy comes from. When I don't have joy in my life, it's a warning light that the Holy Ghost is not existing in me. It's a warning that my Holy Ghost is not there. I need to pray through when I lose joy. I don't know what you think, but here's what I'm telling you. If I'm miserable, I don't have what God wants me to have. If I'm walking through life and, and life is a misery, I need to go pray because joy comes with the Spirit. It's just part of it. Man. All you have to do is ask God to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and you get the fruit of the Spirit. And when you get the fruit, you get them all. Love is there. Joy is there. Next week, it'll be something else we'll talk about. But they got to be there. Remember this. They don't know what you, or they don't care what you believe. They care about what you show. And you are the only Bible that some people will ever read. And if you're walking around all the time with your lip dragging the carpet, and you're mad at the world, and you can't get along with anybody, and everybody is always picking on you to hear you tell it. You need to go pray. I can't say it no more plain or that. You just need a good prayer meeting. You just need to go say, God, check me out because I'm not happy and I'm, I don't have joy and nothing's going right for me. Because let me tell you, when you get real joy, you'll walk for God and walk with God and live for God no matter who does what. You can't make me backslide. I can make me backslide. I can make me be lost, but you can't make me be lost. You don't have enough to make me be lost. You, somebody said, well, they run me off. Nobody can run me off. Try. Nobody can run me off. You may run me out of this building, but you can't run me out of the church because the church is bigger than the building. You, nobody can drive you away from the presence of God. The Bible said he, you're in his hand. And you alone can take yourself out of his hand. The devil can't take you out of the hand of God. Amen? Nothing can stop you. And when you get that, you just, you know, you just know where you're going. I know where I'm going. I know what the end result is. I know what the back of the book says. So I'm going to keep the joy of God in my life. Stand with me. Hallelujah. Joy, joy, joy. Let me end on this scripture. You know what the Bible said? The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Amen? The kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. How many of y'all like to eat? Boy, I like to eat. I wish eating wouldn't do me so bad. I told my wife the other day, I said, why does the thing that I like to do the most cause me so much damage? Man, I can smell food. And just about the time I think I'm doing great, Sister Judy Hodge makes a pecan pie. But I like them, Sister Judy. Don't quit. I'm going to keep repenting and keep, keep eating. 
but meat and drink. Nothing better than a good cold glass of water. Anybody been out in the sun over the last couple, three weeks? 106, 105, 107. Nothing better than a good cold glass of water. But that's not what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is not physical things, meat or drink. Let me tell you what it is. It's righteousness. It's peace. And what else? Everybody say it's joy. Come on, put a smile on your face tonight. If you got God, you got joy. If you don't have God, you don't have joy. And if you don't have joy, you find your prayer room and pray to the joys there because it's the fruit that emanates out of you because you're full of his spirit. Amen.